listening to the Satellite Sisters and the Chaos Chronicles. That's right, folks. Two, two, two shows in one today. It's been a while. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena. So we thought we'd gather the troops, gather all the resources of Mudbath Productions to bring you one giant supersized November sweep show. If you listen to the Satellite Sisters, then you know what's happening here. If you only listen to the Chaos Chronicles, I'd like to introduce you to my two sisters. <laughs> what? You have, I have other people, believe it or not, in my life. Thank I have, you, Leah. I actually have four sisters, but two of them happen to be here with me today. <laughs> I would like to introduce you to uh, the inimitable Liz Dolan in Santa Monica, California. Hello, Liz. Thank you very much, Leanne. What a pleasure to be on Chaos Chronicles, you know? the uh, And it's a pleasure to be back at the mic for Satellite Sisters because we have missed about a month. It's not that we weren't thinking of all of you. We just, well, you'll hear why. But here we are. We're back. We're recommitted. We're plugging in. It's It's go time now. And I'd like to introduce you to my sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. Well, I'm happy to be with you, only sister Leanne Dolan. I guess you're an only child. Is that no, is that? I just, you know, I have my own people, and I oh. don't expose them very often to this whole other life I have called satellite sisters. Uh, but you know, in the in the interest of time and good storytelling and excellent podcasting, I thought today we should do a show. We all thought we should get on the air. Everyone has been so nice, both the Chaos Crew and the Satellite Sisterhood, asking for updates on our mom and our dad. And that's pretty much what the three of us have been doing with our time for the last month. So we thought we would take this opportunity to fill everybody in. And uh, I I really have no idea what's going on with our father. So that's why I had to ask Julie to be on the show. (laughs) That's that's, I He's... Our dad is now in Dallas, Texas. Let's, Julie, wait, let's wait, fill wait, everyone yeah. in, though. Let's fill everyone in really quickly. Uh, if you because it's like a TV show where you jump forward like five years, Julie. You know, oh, okay, it's good. Okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> it's lost. It's like this show. Our life is like lost. I think. Yes. We go back and forth in time. And okay. I am the constant. <laughs> this is lost. I am the constant. Well, uh, so you know, fill in the backstory, Leon, on what happened to our dad and why he's in Texas. Al- in Texas. And why our mom is currently in Santa Monica, California. Okay, here's what's ha- happening. Our parents, our elderly parents, are. my father turns 85 this week. My mom is already 85. My father's in the late stages of Alzheimer's. He was living here in Southern California uh, in a facility that cares for Alzheimer's patients. And a series of things happened, and it became apparent that we had to find a new place for him to live. In the meantime, our 85-year-old mom was living on her own in Santa Monica, California, but she was having a rough time of it all summer. Uh, She wasn't feeling great. She really didn't like the experience of living alone. She was lonely. It was clear that she needed someone watching over her health a little bit more, and she needed more company. So my sister Julie in Dallas, Texas, we called around, we did, we crunched the numbers, we did some soul searching, and then Julie stepped up and said, why don't you move them to Texas? Mom can live with me. There's a place around the corner for dad. And Liz and I rejoiced. Um, <laughs> we did. <laughs> Julie thought she was going to have to convince us, like, we, I know you guys love 
having them with you all the time and being responsible for them. And Leon and I were both like, nope, no, no, we're totally over that. No, sure, all yours. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo! Liz and I had a whole, we were toasting, uh, toasting the decision. And then, so the moving of my father, that part of it went very well. And Julie can fill you in on how that's going. But unfortunately, in just an unbelievably cosmic turn of events, my mother, who had not been feeling well all summer, the day we, we put my dad on a plane to go to Texas, my mom was having difficulty breathing. She'd been having a lot of pain all summer. She was being treated for back pain. Liz took her to the ER, and that very same day as my dad was moving to Texas, my mom was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. So uh, that was a month ago. I can tell you it probably seems like a year ago to some of us here. I know a lot of you listening have been through this. You've been in touch. One parent getting sick, then the next parent getting sick. It's a lot to handle. But the resulting situation is our father is in Dallas, Texas, living near Julie. Our mother is currently um, uh, at Liz's place in Santa Monica where she is retreat, uh, receiving treatment for a um, very serious case of lung cancer. So, did I forget anything, sisters? Is that the basic outline? That, that, that's nope. the basic outline. Okay. That's the story, Leon, and this is where, I mean, I think, you know, you do move into, like, some different time-space continuum. Since in the last month, it does seem like a year. I mean, we have just, all of us have been on a different plane in terms of, you know, what we're doing and every single day. And this is where I don't know how, I don't know, I must have said it a thousand times we have a large family, you know, five five girls, three boys, and everybody in the family has pitched in. Yes. I just, we keep saying, how do people that only, you know, that don't have siblings or don't have multiple siblings, how do they do it when their parents get sick? Yeah, I don't know. Mm-mm-mm. But here in Texas, yes, we were, you know, and this was so, all the focus all summer was on our dad because he was having a rough time. Um and um, I think everybody was really focused on trying to get him into a better care situation. We found a place here in Dallas around the corner from me, long-term care. That's what he needed. And we were all so worried about him flying on the plane with my brother. And, you know, how was that going to go? And was he going to be able to adjust to a new location? And, you know, it's just been a total reversal of events because dad even though he has late stage Alzheimer's and every day is up and down uh, and there have been some incidences, he, his health is re- really pretty good. He doesn't have any underlying health. It's unbelievable. It is, it is unbelievable because you're right, Julie, we were so focused on it and it was all consuming. And we've been talking about it on a lot of satellites that your shows, April, May, June, all of you who listen regularly, you know that we have really been focused on this and everybody dealing with it. So then to all of a sudden have this um, series of things happen that meant there was one point when my mother was still in the hospital and really sick and a bunch of us were there even though Julie was in Texas with my dad where we were talking about my mother and what were we going to do and somebody mentioned my father and our brother Dick said oh my god I forgot about him and it was just (laughs) I mean we shouldn't be laughing but it was crazy that what you thought was the really bad situation actually became the more manageable situation when we got this much worse scenario presented to us so um, that is absolutely true. I mean, that he is 
he is, I mean, he is, he requires a lot of care. Uh, he requires medication. You know, I am over there every day, but it is not the crisis that you're in Santa Monica. And it's not, it's not the level. We don't have the same health issues because my, our dad is not sick. He just has Alzheimer's and that, um, that is a very different situation. So, you know, I mean, I keep sending reports to everybody uh, that he's doing okay. Probably, you know, probably the biggest incident that happened was, you know, a couple of weeks ago I went in and he, my father has worn glasses, our dad's worn glasses his whole life, right? I, I think, you know, and he, and he didn't have his glasses on. And I looked all over his room and I couldn't find his glasses. I was like, dad, where are your glasses? And of course he he couldn't answer it, but I was just sort of channeling mom because wasn't that what mom would do? She would have bugged him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she would have hounded dad a little, like what you do with your glasses. I'm looking under the bed, under the chair, I, you know, everywhere. And so then I try to enlist some of the nursing uh, aides that work at the long-term care facility. I was like, "Have you seen the glasses?" And they're looking around, and you know, and I'm and I'm sort of in a panic because I'm thinking, well. I don't have any idea what dad's prescription is. I don't know how I'm going to find out because mom's so sick and, you know, it's in another state and, you know, dad's at a stage where he can't do the eye exam. And right. I was going to say, we were going to try to get him new glasses here and because his prescription was more than a year old and the doctor said, no, you have to bring him in to do the eye exam. We were like, are you kidding me? So this yeah. is, I mean, again, if you are, if you have family members that have Alzheimer's, you, you understand what we're talking about. They just can't tell you sort of simple things. Is this better? Is this better? Is this better? You know, you know, the eye exam that you have. So anyway, I just was getting a little worried about that. I didn't know what that would mean. I thought, well, uh oh, now he's really going to fall. You know, he's going to be increase his, you know, the, the risk of falling because he won't be able to see. And about 20 minutes later, one of the nurse's aides come up to me, it comes up to me and she said, are these your dad's glasses? Do these look like them? And and I said, well, yeah, kind of. Again, I didn't hadn't really studied dad, dad's glasses. It's just something on his face that you took for granted. I know. I, yeah. I hadn't really hadn't really keyed in on the frame style or anything like that. Yeah, he and, wasn't making a statement with his glasses. Let's no, just say that. Standard metal, I, I think metal glasses. And I said, well, yes. And she said, well, I actually found them on another resident. Uh, he was wearing <laughs> And she said, this actually happens quite a bit in nursing homes where, you know, somebody drops a pair of glasses and then another resident picks them up and puts them on. So now dad has uh, these glasses, but I'm not sisters. I'm not, I'm only about like maybe 80% sure they're his, you know, I mean, I don't really know. And he still doesn't like wearing them. So, I, so I can't. And when you asked dad, I said, dad, are those How's it look? Like, are you seeing better? You know, he can't really answer that question anymore. So, so uh, he stopped wearing his glasses now. So I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't make it. I think he's just trying to simplify Julie and you should go with that. Right. Okay. It's, you know, if he needs a pair, he'll figure out a way to let you know. Joel? Yeah. I mean, the uh -huh. other thing is the, the nurse. Yes. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah, everyone's here. Good. Okay. Yes. The nursing okay. assistant also said, you know, the glasses, this happens a lot. She said, we did have a problem with one resident that was going around and switching the dentures of other, of all the residents. She was going into the rooms. 
she said that was a mess. That was a mess. And you can imagine that really would that would be very problematic to end up with someone else's dentures. Yeah, and, and disgusting. That is yeah. just disgusting. Disgusting. Well, it's a little. Okay. Oh, All right. Well, you know, but, Julie, though, does he know he's in Texas? Well, see, this is there are two topics we don't talk about a lot, Leanne, and I have kind of advised the nursing assistants not to mention it. Number one, that he's in Texas. But I have to say, because he's in Texas, the first thing that people say when they meet my dad, and there's lots of, you know, doctors, the nurses, they say, welcome to Texas, Mr. <laughs> Dalton. <laughs> Every single person says that. <laughs> Welcome to Texas, Mr. Dolan. They shake his hand, and a dad just looks back, and he's pretty stunned. So I, I don't know whether it's uh, whether that's really totally sinking in. You know, he may notice also that there is a lot of talk about Texas and A and M football. You know, that maybe he didn't hear in California, but but just try to like. I don't want to like. I don't want him to get upset about things. Right. And, so that so if he got if he's worried about being in Texas, I don't want him to be. So that's why I don't really talk about that. I would have to say the other thing that we don't talk a lot about is mom, you know. And he asks about mom, and he asks, and I know that uh, some of the nursing assistants have said that you know that he asks them about mom. And what I what I say to him, and I try to just be very positive. I just say mom is working on it, you know. Mom is right, which. I guess is an honest answer. She is working on it. And I just try to reassure him because I think he's really wonders where mom is. Again, it's, you know, he's at a point with the Alzheimer's where it's very difficult for him to communicate what he's thinking, what he's feeling. But, you know, but so I try to just be positive with my responses. I mean, and then, I mean, we are, we are a small family here. My husband's here, my son, my daughter-in-law, and my, my, our two grandchildren, Alice and Benjamin, are here. So we go see dad every day uh, just to check on him. You know, sometimes it's a short visit. Sometimes it's a longer visit. And today I took, uh, uh, you know, Benjamin, my grandson, dad's great-grandson, to go visit. And I don't think there's anything more joyous than bringing a three-year-old into a nursing home. <laughs> I can't tell you how, how delighted everyone was there. I mean, this nursing home has a range of residents, from stroke victims to veterans um, to other people more like dad with Alzheimer's or dementia. And when they saw this three-year-old come in, um, they were just so happy. And being three... And being Benjamin, he didn't really, he wasn't the least bit afraid. Right. He was fascinated by the wheelchairs. Those are really excellent. He loved the wheels, the, you know, the leg rests. I mean, so he loved all the mechanics of the place. And, you know, he just, I mean, I don't know if dad knew who Benjamin was, but he was, you know, I, but it brought great joy to dad to be with this little three-year-old today. So that's, that's what, that's the report here. We're just, dad's in good shape and we're just trying to take the best care we can of him, you know, while he's here in Texas, just don't tell him that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, and you know, it, Julie, I think we say every day here based on sort of the care that we're giving to mom that Liz is going to talk about. We can't imagine if we had dad here too. Like, 
we can't imagine that extra level of care, how, how would we manage that? Yeah, because it's a lot. I mean, it's like a whole new, it, you know, every day there are things to do. And so that's, that's what I do. And that's, uh, and um, so, yes, I don't, I mean, it would be very difficult to have both mom and dad here, you know, at the same time and just have it be me. That's so, I, I'm glad the California team is, is providing the care for mom as much as I miss seeing her. Yeah, I think that's one of those things about Alzheimer's patients. It's maybe a little bit different than just sending another patient to a nursing home who may just have limited mobility. With an Alzheimer's patient, things happen. Their behavior is unpredictable. So there is kind of a low level of stress, even if they're in someone else's care all the time. You don't quite know how are they doing, how is it going to work out, how is it going to be today. Yeah, that's true. You know, you never really relax. You know, you just, you're always... You're always thinking about it, you know, and the fact that he's so close, I, you know, I'm always thinking about that. Well, I mean, this is Liz. I got to say that the last thing anyone in our family expected was that mom and dad at this point in their lives would be living in different states, right? No, so this the was plan, not our plan. This was not our plan. Even though it is convenient in the short term, it was certainly not the original plan. And it would be nice if it would didn't have to be this way long term. But the plan was for my brother Jim to fly my father to Julie's. This was four Sundays ago. And then Leon and your husband, you were working on helping our mom clean out their apartment. So we gave ourselves two weeks for then our mother to move to Dallas. So that was we were in the two-week drill on the Sunday that dad moved to Dallas. But then that was also the Sunday our mother was having trouble breathing. And by the end of the day, just as our father was landing in Dallas, we were in an emergency room in Santa Monica getting the lung cancer diagnosis. So it just, it still is so shocking that this is where we are. That And last week was their 60th wedding anniversary, right? Or 61st, I guess 61st. it was. 61st. Mm-hmm. wedding anniversary and it was another kind of time where you didn't know what to say I mean now that mom is here living with me so anyway so what happened with our mother is that she was at a hospital in Santa Monica obviously she got admitted to the hospital she was in the hospital for about a week and she was extremely sick by the point um, we went to the hospital that day because not only was that she had developed pneumonia. So during that week, it was trying to clear up the pneumonia and also diagnose all of the other things that were wrong with her, how much of the cancer spread, all of that. But because we were emptying her home at that same time, there was never a scenario as we're scrambling around figuring what are we going to do when mom gets out of the hospital, that going home because of the, we were caught sort of with one foot out the door, going home was never an option. There's no way that she could have gone back to the apartment they were living in and lived there by herself. Anyway, so so here I am, a mere four blocks from the hospital. <laughs> it, just, it just seemed to work out because her doctors were going to be here, because she was going to need steady care, that moving into my home, which is a two-bedroom condo, it was, but actually pretty good for an older person, wouldn't you? say sisters that yes. it's a nice 
it's an easy place to navigate. Our brother Dick was also here that week thinking he was here to pack up mom and dad and move them to Texas. He actually ended up coming over to my place and installing some hand railings and some safety things that we were going to need if, um, if our mother was going to end up here. So that is, in fact, what has happened. We're still figuring out what is the daily flow. And now there, for me, I think the hardest thing is, there's no possibility to develop a long-term plan. You know, you just don't know what's going to happen day to day or week to week. And so all of our um, instincts naturally as a family are to figure out, okay, what should we do next? And then what's going to happen and what's happening, you know, around Christmas and all of that. And it's so bizarre that you, you can't even allow yourself to think about that because every day presents you with a completely different set of challenges. Um, having said that, thank goodness for those of you who are longtime Satellite Sisters listeners, the Chaos Crew may, may not know about Nurse Monica, but our sister Monica is an RN, and so even though I have been hosting uh, any of the medical care... Uh, <laughs> I would I think that there's a I would like to differentiate between hosting the medical care and actually providing <laughs> medical care slash nursing. And everybody Julie, you've been here, Leon, you've stayed here, Sheila's been here overnight. But nurse Monica, our sister Monica is the one who set up the entire nursing protocol that is in place here now at my home in Santa Monica. And wouldn't you say Leon, you were just here the past two nights. Wouldn't you say we've got the drill down pretty well? It's unbelievable. First of all Julie, you can imagine watching Liz perform any kind of care. Just really, I mean, the backstory on Sister Liz is she's incredible. She faints at that the flight, the you know, at hospital doors. I mean, she's very highly squeamish, and and this is you've said it, Liz. This is this you really don't care. So the, right. the fact that you would be providing care is is it's just not your natural calling, right? Right, so, which I think actually makes it easier for me in this situation because the fact that I'm probably doing a poor job, I mean, it's concerning, but it's not surprising, you know, whereas for someone like Monica, who is skilled and takes it so seriously, she really beats herself up if she can't fix the problem. I, I know that I cannot do that. So now I'm just, in a, now I'm just following the, the written instructions that Monica left which is a pretty impressive set of instructions, wouldn't you say, sisters? You know, Leah, it, it's, un, it's unbelievable. First of all, we have a whole medical tub. Uh, I, I brought the tub, but Monica filled it with a calendar, with a list of medications, with all the actual medications, with any tools that we might need, blood pressure cuffs, things like that. You have one tub, all the medical things inside that tub. I cannot recommend that enough. I know it seems simple, tubbing. But um, it's really saved us. And yesterday when I pulled out that list of medications and this very fancy oncologist at UCLA looked at it and was so impressed by it. And then he started asking me questions about like things like, well, how many milligrams of this is she taking? I was like, I, I'm a novelist. I don't know. <laughs> but Monica's list is, is gold. Monica's list is gold. 
Yeah. So we've got the list and we've got some very basic equipment. I have enjoyed uh, mastering the taking of the O2 sat levels. You know, those. that's just how much oxygen is in your blood. So that's a little thing when you're in a hospital that they put on your finger and a number reads out. That's really key in my mother's situation because everything is going on in her lungs. And the reason she had been suffering for a couple of months before we actually figured out this is what it was is because her SAT levels were so low. So I enjoy doing that because any idiot can test a SAT level, right? You just slap the thing on the finger and it reads out a number. I've also, you know, I'm pretty good with the blood pressure cuff, so um, so that's good. And then the rest of it is kind of scheduling and timing. We have any of you who have been um, been sick yourself or had members of your family who had cancer or something else very serious, you know that there are all of these different appointments you have to get to, obviously all of the different drugs you have to take at different times of day. Um, they do provide insurance is sending in some home health care, so those people are calling randomly the visiting nurses and the physical therapists. It's like you need a full-time scheduler house manager. So we've managed to stay on top of that, too, the actual schedule. The only thing I have completely lost control of is the contents of my refrigerator. And that is and that's for all good reasons. People, of course, when they know you have a family crisis, especially, well, even in, in our case, it's the members of the family bringing food. I'm not known for having the most well-stocked kitchen in the family. And well, I think just have mustard. That's when I come to visit mustard like coffee if i'm lucky okay <laughs> but no milk coffee but no milk somehow yeah yeah so the um so everybody is way overcompensating with the food which is fantastic so this is friends and family but now it means i open the refrigerator door and there are all of these items like when monica was here 10 days ago she had this recipe she got from some website she loves called The Kitchen or something like that, but it was for baked potato and bacon soup, which is something that in a million years I would never make for myself. <laughs> and then, then it would just be too dangerous to have food like that in my home because I would eat it. I'm not saying I wouldn't eat it. The problem is I would eat it. So Monica made a huge batch of this baked potato soup because we're trying to get as many calories as we can into our mother, and she doesn't always have the best appetite. And uh, Lee and I ended up shipping some of that home with you. Was yeah. that not delicious? <laughs> it's delicious. My boys loved it. They absolutely loved it. But, yeah, so, I've never seen so much soup. It must have been yeah. the biggest soup recipe ever. Yeah, so I have Monica's baked potato soup. Julie, thank you very much for the turkey meatloaf from the Barefoot Contessa. You know how much we enjoyed that. Uh, Sheila came today with several shopping bags from Marmalade, which is the good uh, takeout place down the street from where I live. Our brother Brendan is a big believer in the pre-made sandwiches at Albertsons. <laughs> so so they, every Saturday or Sunday, he shows up with those. Then I have other friends who are good cooks. So if you see the little container of pulled pork, that is from Dexter and Ryan. That was delicious. So there's just so much food here. I just like I I hardly recognize the contents of my refrigerator. And it's we're running kind of a 24-hour operation. Again, you know that if you've dealt with someone who's very sick, you kind of the schedule can be unpredictable and who's up when. And so it's good to have uh, we have plenty of supplies no, ma no matter what is going on. 
And uh, the, uh, the only other thing I would say about our own form of uh, measuring our mother's health is that the vital signs, you know, the temperature, blood pressure, SAT level, all of that is a normal measurement. But wouldn't you say, sisters, that the other vital sign, if you're trying to gauge how healthy is mom feeling today, it's the unloading of the dishwasher yes. is, the, is, the, is the fourth vital sign. <laughs> It's, there are days now where she's actually been strong enough to get on her feet and come into my kitchen and unload the dishwasher because that is just what she loves to do. So I see that as the most vital of the vital signs. <laughs> but that's only, that's only in the Edna Dolan world. And then just behind that is, um, is, is rearranging the things in your house, Liz. I did yes. catch her the other day on a particularly strong day rearranging some candlesticks and then she told me to please go put Liz's shoes away the, the minute Liz left the house please go put Liz's shoes away as if Liz had left thousands of pairs of shoes around the house it was like one small pair of shoes like next to the door it was a very so, okay there there was one night um this is when she first came home and was still very very sick where we were up in the bathroom it was about four o'clock in the morning and i said i said let me take this face cloth and just wash off your face and uh so i got it wet with some warm water and i'm just washing off her face and in her uh narcotic induced haste she said to me that's a hand towel not a face cloth <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> it has been. It that has been one of the most revealing things, isn't it? That as our mother really enters what is the last stage of her life, it is not as if she has some. You know, she doesn't become someone else. No, no. still no. mother, and she's still <laughs> focused on the same things she has always focused on. So you better not put the milk pitcher on the table. <laughs> yeah. You better, you know, you better have uh, real napkins out if and set the table correctly and do all the things that our mom has always demanded and wanted. Right. And, you know, I mean, we're laughing as we tell you this story because I think it's important for us to be able to have these moments of levity. But, you know, there are also plenty of moments where I've seen both of you guys do it. I know I've done it. Or you just you sit at the dining room table and you sob. You just cannot believe that this is where we are. So to have these funnier moments, to be able to figure out what those are and just hold those in your mind for a little bit, I think it's really important. And uh, that's what we, that's what we have been trying to do. Yeah. You know, there are a couple of other things I've learned from this whole thing. I was thinking about it today as we were preparing for the show and um, the first is that there are two things. The first is that the stress shows up somewhere. And the second is that just go ahead and use the stuff and I'll, I'll explain them. But the stress showing up somewhere, you just, the whole trying to get that whole pre-weeks with dad, like trying to get him a settled place and make sure he was there. That was so overwhelming. And then the mom diagnosis right on top of it. I was surprised how many times, Liz, I just found myself, particularly me, I'd have to take the long traffic-filled drive back from Santa Monica to Pasadena just sobbing. Um, but I was also very conscious that, like, okay, I have other kids. I have kids. I have a husband. I have other things going on. I do need to take care of myself. I know you all told me that on Facebook. So I was trying to get to a yoga class or walk the dog. But the stress, stress all showed up in my teeth because <laughs> this week I had to have two root canals. 
Oh, Leah, that is the worst. I was in so much pain last week. I was visiting Liz one day. Liz and Mom, I'd come out really early in the morning just hanging out, and by noon I was in such excruciating pain. I thought, I have to leave now or else I'm never going to make it home. I'm going to pass out. And Monday my doctor said, yeah, you need some root, a root canal. The second one was kind of a shocker. But my doctor, my dentist also said, you're basically just grinding your teeth to death from the stress. I, I asked him, like, can stress cause this? And he said, oh, yeah, absolutely. You're just grinding your teeth to death. That's what you're doing. This isn't the root killing itself. It's you killing the root. And then he, I was like, oh, okay. Which makes you more stressful, don't right. do that, right? <laughs> And so then, like, oh. but then Julie told me this incredible thing. My dentist is in La Cunata. He's right up the street from the Jet Propulsion Lab. And he said, you should have seen all the scientists I had in there this summer. The ones working on the Mars rover. He said, those guys were grinding their teeth to death for months. He said, he said they had the entire weight of the future of the space program on their shoulders. They'd come in and go, I know if we don't land this guy, they're going to cut off all the funding and thousands of people are going to lose their jobs. And so I thought, well, there you go. I felt better knowing that I was in that kind of company, that actual <laughs> rocket scientists. But it's true. Like the, the stress comes up in different ways, even if you try to quote, take care of yourself. And then the stuff thing. I mean, my husband and I did uh, have the uh, task of cleaning out my parents' apartment. And now my parents, they've been together a long time, but they've moved several times. They have made many moves. So I think it was surprising to see how much stuff they could (laughs) jam into that apartment in nooks and crannies. Like, it took us a long time, and it was a very bizarre and emotional situation to be in. Because this stuff is kind of in limbo. We were going to move it to Texas, but we couldn't quite do that. But it's not like we were, you know, emptying out an apartment after a death. So as a result, we have boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff in my garage, you know, which is fine. But I was in Santa Monica for a couple of days this week, and I came home yesterday. And my husband, who has been frantically rearranging everything, like this has just been an opportunity for him to completely rearrange every other storage facility we have here in the house to accommodate all my parents' stuff. He had all these paintings out. And I was like, artwork that everything from the kids to stuff, his uncle was a pretty famous painter. So stuff we had under the bed. And he's like, Leanne, we are not keeping any more stuff under the bed. That's it. Your parents had all that stuff under their beds for years. What were they? Why do we have it if we're not going to put it up? He's like, let's put it up. Like paintings from kindergarten. Let's get it in a frame. He has spent all weekend long like framing artwork and putting it up on the walls. He's like, what are we doing with all this stuff if we're not going to use it? Take down those Tiffany glasses we got for our wedding. We're using those for wine tonight. You know. <laughs> Good for him. That is really good. That is a really good lesson, Leah. It, it is, actually. Like, light the candles. Why are we saving the decorative candles? Fire them up, you know? I mean, it was just kind of an interesting thing because you think, yeah, why is all that stuff shoved under the bed? And Metaphorically or literally, yeah. in my parents' case and in our case. So there are two good things. I did get two root canals, but I have a whole new wall of art. So it's unbelievable. <laughs> I was actually going to light some candles at dinner here last week. Then I realized, uh oh, no, with all the oxygen tanks around now, that probably would not be a good idea. I was, I was trying to live up to the standards, uh, but yeah, you're right. Just it's have enough stuff that you can enjoy it, and if it's under your bed or in a storage unit then you probably don't need it. You probably don't need it. Yeah, that we did take a whole nother run to like a yard sale at my kid's school. They were collecting. All the baby stuff went. I'm like, why are we keeping this? Let's just 
somebody else, let's put it out in the universe so someone else can use it. It's just a better way to go. So, uh, I don't know. Couple, I, couple Julie, Julie, I put up two pieces of artwork here in my place yesterday because mom got a card from your two grandchildren. So from her great-grandchildren, Alice and Benjamin, that who had two delightful drawings in them. So those are now up in my little dining area, I would want you to know. That's good. I mean, I think it's you, it's when it is so stressful and it's so tenuous, you just have to celebrate all these tender little moments. You know, I mean, I'm also, I have to say, really, really grateful to complete strangers because like you sisters, I have lost it in the strangest places. I, I went to Lowe's to actually return <laughs> Uh, like the bath rails that I had bought for mom's bathroom here in Texas, thinking, you know, she's not coming. And I don't need, you know, I had spent all this money to have the bathroom sort of, you know, equipped with extra railings so that, you know, it would be nice and safe to her. And I was standing there in Lowe's with my return slip and all these bat, you know, safety rails. And I just started crying to this poor girl in Lowe's and telling her my, you know, about mom and about dad. And she was really nice to me, you know, and she said, you know, my, my, her husband had passed away six years ago from cancer and she just immediately related to the situation, you know, and, uh, she did say, I don't know what it is today. You're the second woman that started crying in Lowe's. (laughs) Oh, she sounds so nice. (laughs) But she was really nice. And I just there just this month there have been, you know, and I know you sisters, your friends and, you know, so many comments from Satellite Sisters. People have been so kind. And I take great comfort in all that kindness. I mean, you really need it. You know, it is. It's true. You really do need all that support. It is true. Yep. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I had a funny situation where a friend of mine was going to bring me dinner and she called a friend of hers for the enchilada recipe. And the friend who, the friend of hers who didn't even know me, but had read my book, said, "Oh, let me make the chicken enchiladas." So I had a complete stranger making chicken enchiladas for me and dropping them off. And then that complete stranger told her hairdresser about the situation, who then told Monica's college roommate, uh, <laughs> who happens to live in Pasadena. So then. Monica's college roommate Ann called Monica. She's like, How did you find out? And it was like, Well, a total stranger made chicken enchiladas for Leon, who then told her hairdresser. But I just was blown away by the fact that someone I didn't even know would make yeah. enchiladas for me. And you're right, those are tiny things, but they really, really matter. Oh, wow. It's really been, it's been a month, hasn't it? Has. It, it has. has just been a month. I, and when you think about all the things that went on in the world just this week <laughs> that we we were barely conscious of, like me and mom sitting watching the election returns together. Oh, my God. In a million years, I never thought that was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't even seem that upset, which was amazing. I know. Right. There was not a lot of conversation going on. I think it was understood, like, you know what? Let's not get worked up about this. But it's true. Now, I know we're just, today we thought we'd take this opportunity to sort of fill you in on what was happening. But I am sorry that we don't have time to talk about the general Petraeus story. But I think that's going to be the gift that keeps on giving, sisters. That is going to unravel. So, I mean... Come on. First of all, I mean, are you just I I mean, I was so furious at that general that he did that. 
and that you know and that woman the other woman Paula Broadwell. I she mean, has a touch of that crazy astronaut in diapers to her, doesn't she? Now, the more remember the, the more you read about that, yeah. the more I agree. This will there is a lot more to this story. I know people see some huge political conspiracy. I don't see that. I just see like a bunch of crazy people encountering each other in life, oh, like a. There is there's a whole lot of not uh, of untruth going on, Liz, because even today, I mean, I, I think we need to know about the other woman who was receiving the harassing emails from, you know, from Paula. We're going to find out more about her. And the fact that, you know, this uh, the, the affair didn't start until um, after he left the army. That's a little fishy, Liz. And it's. <laughs> It's a little fishy, okay? They spent a year together in Afghanistan, but now they're swearing that not, nothing happened while they were in Afghanistan. I don't Okay, Julie, can I just say, I'm impressed you have the emotional energy to have even gotten this far with this story. I mean, I have been, uh, like, interested and, uh, well, shocked slash excited slash interested, and I feel like, okay, next week when I have a little more emotional space, I'm going to really get to that. We can dig in on that on Satellite Sisters. But it sounds like you have already devoted some time to it. Good for you. Liz, you can, I, I you mean, can, I, you can lead the discussion next week. Liz, I'm up night and day worried about things, so I have time to check this out. You know that this is all started because of the emails that there was the FBI were monitoring. And when they were talking about things going on under the desk, oh. they, thought it was, they thought it was some bribery going on. But it wasn't bribery, sisters. So there's actual <laughs> things going on under the desk? Under the desk, there were actual things going on under the desk. Think about that or don't think about that. I don't know. It takes your mind off of things. That's what my husband keeps saying during all this stress. He said, you've got to think about the Hubble telescope. telescope. <laughs> Something big. I was like, no, I am just thinking about this Petraeus affair. That's good. That's good. It makes me really mad. Well, Leon was here staying at my house when the news broke the other day. So we did go online and do the compare and contrast between the picture of Holly Petraeus and the picture of um, uh, the woman in question. And you just you feel so sorry for Miss yeah, Petraeus. I know. Oh, I awful. Awful. I and I remember that John Stewart uh, interview. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I remember that because that woman had that shirt on and you couldn't forget her arms. Holy cow. <laughs> You watch it again. It's a lot of double entendres in there. If you have some time to kill now, Julie, you're going to want to watch that interview. I've already analyzed it, Liam. I am ready to go for next week. We're jumping ahead to next week's show. We were just going to tease this for next week, but obviously there's just too much to contain. It's good that we still... keep it under the desk, Liz. You cannot (laughs) keep it under the desk. It comes out. It bubbles up. All right, sisters. Well, I know we'll be talking. Um, <laughs> I, I know yeah. we'll be talking. But, um, again, we just can't thank people enough for all the really kind messages and thoughts and prayers. It does mean a tremendous amount to us. And for those of you who have shared your own stories, I'm always surprised how you put something like this out there and a million people have said, oh, I went through something similar. Hang in there. So, you know, thank you so much for all the support. It really means a lot to us. All right. um, Hang in. Jewel, Liz, hang in. Okay. Keep, Okay. Keep in touch. And don't forget. Call your satellite sister. Yesterday when you were young, everything you needed done was done for you. Now you do it on your own, but you find you're all alone. What can you do? 
Walk on, walk on. 